and welcome to Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast. Um, I'm Christy Mayer and I'm joined by um, Andy Bannister of, of the South. I mean, is this Swindon in the South? Whereabouts are you, Andy? I'm definitely the South. Um, the, the, the debate is the whether it's the West. Wow. Um, I, I think it's West because I'm a Londoner, but I talk to people here and I talk to people in the West in, in Somerset and such places. Tell me that's not that's not West, mate. So South anyway. South, South. But you do have like a lovely like, you know, um, Somerset kind of accent. We can do the Somerset again, accent, you? I think, yeah, <laughs> To be sure. But the guest and, we've got today is definitely West though, is, aren't they, Christy? So West, actually. West. Um, Kiri, um, we are so pleased to join, uh, for you to join us, for us to join you is what I was going to we're say. We're joined on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're joining us today all the way from beautiful Canada. Um, yeah, welcome to the show, Kiri. Oh, thank you so much. It's good to join you guys. Oh, we're really pleased to have you. And there's so much that we're looking forward to asking you as well um, today about your experiences and the way in which you've been um, training others to talk about Jesus and how you talk about Jesus as well. Um, just to get us started, you know, thinking about geography is now I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the places in which you've lived, but I take it that you've lived, you lived somewhere beginning with an S in Canada and then you moved somewhere else that's right <laughs> yes so I, so I originally born and raised in the UK but um I spent a little bit of time on in eastern Canada but then finally moved to the center of Canada in a place called Saskatchewan so um yeah Andy was uh, chatting earlier I guess it's like the test of whether you know Canada is if you can pronounce Saskatchewan um yeah or but right it. now I'm or spell it. Yeah, it's Saskatchewan. That's uh, what's kind of going on in my brain. Um, but now I uh, live on the West Coast, literally. So you get to Vancouver, go a little bit further, you get to uh, Vancouver Island. Um, so it's a, yeah, very, very blessed to uh, be located here. Amazing. And you were saying before that there are very different approaches to kind of um, sharing Jesus in those two different cultures. I mean, we'd love to hear a little bit about some of the similarities and differences as you've as you've moved across Canada and, and how that's impacted your ministry. Uh, thank you. Yes. Like, I think to begin with, it's maybe helpful to know that I didn't grow up as a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, so I came from a non-Christian family. Um, my mom was very anti-Christian things. She would have kind of the uh, Dawkins books kind of on, on the shelves. Um, that was kind of what I was kind of cultured in, educated in. So a very kind of post kind of Christian culture. Um, and it wasn't really until uh, university that I really encountered like God's like the spirit of God. And that really changed everything. Night became day, day became night. I almost explain it as, you know, there's a world map where you still have these like topographical, like geographical features on it, but it's almost like the ocean became the land and the land became the ocean. Like there's a complete pivot when I met uh, the living God. Um, and so that was at university, um, like properly when my life actually pivoted around that. Um, and so that actually happened um, when I was at McGill University, which is really funny because like everyone says, you know, Quebec, the amount of Christians in Quebec is very low. Um, so I'm very, very thankful that there's um, just amazing people on campus who were introducing Christ uh, people to Christianity and what that actually meant. And so actually um, I, yeah, encountered the spirit of the living God and um, then started sharing my faith on a university campus that was, again, very hostile to uh, the, the Christian faith. Um, and so that was through uh, power to change. I was discipled and started to share my faith. And so um, it began 
as like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to say grace. I don't know what this looks like. Um, and so I was really reliant on other people kind of teaching me, giving me a bit of a framework to do that. And so the initial framework that Power to Change were using was uh, this, the four spiritual laws. Um, and that became a bit of a backbone, obviously, to uh, to share my faith. Um, but then later on in life, uh, I, I moved back to the UK, finished my degree, um, was doing some ministry in Switzerland and, and various other places for a while, but then ended up properly moving to Saskatchewan, uh, which is the Bible Belt of Canada, which is a completely different context because um, now you have people who um, firmly believe and, you know, that, that they're a Christian because they've been um, brought up in a Christian home and they're, you know, they have a lineage, a heritage, um, which doesn't mean that they're not necessarily, but also doesn't necessarily mean that they have a living encounter um, with God. And so um, speaking about faith, um, sharing faith in that context is very different. It's almost as if the um, you're almost discipling people <laughs> kind of into um, their faith. Um, which is a, a very different posture in which to do that. Now um, we've moved to uh, yeah British Columbia, which is um, especially the island is known as a very uh, fairly leftist kind of fairly hippie like kind of context, which is again very very different than the university campus that was very highly academic. Like people were very much like you know science is defeated, God tell me about it. Um, Versus, um, like, and again with Saskatchewan, which is more like, how does God um, actually engage with kind of my situation and my um, my felt reality of suffering? Now we're very much in this, you know, how is God different than, um, you know, the, you know, why should I go to church on a Sunday when I could go to temple dance, mm. right? Um, when I can experience spirituality in a different way, um, which is, you know, a, a legitimate. Um, you know, choice for people on a Sunday. And so speaking and sharing faith in that context is entirely different. We're kind of scraping and uh, revealing different parts of uh, the gospel and how it's relevant to lives, which is uh, a, a fun challenge. Excellent. So picking up on what you you said, I'm really intrigued, uh, curious, part of your story, say non-Christian background, then get thrown into evangelism quite quickly. Is it easier in some ways, perhaps coming into evangelism, when you've come from a non-Christian background? Because I think sometimes the, the challenge can be, right, for those of us listening to this who have grown up in a Christian home, that was my journey. I, I, I was raised in a Christian family, very grateful for that. But the challenge then is you don't know anything outside of of that. So how can we help those who perhaps stories more like mine, who we've always had a Christian background, recapture some of that freshness that you had when you knew something different? Are there other ways that we can, as the church, kind of do that a little bit, do you think? Mm, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I've, I felt that, I think, to be true for people. Um, like in Soul Edge, a, a number of the students that we have do come from Christian backgrounds. And so I think part of the the challenge in uh, discipling them in terms of um, helping give them tools for evangelism um, looks like maybe revealing some of the ways that, um, you know, a non-Christian worldview um, might um, mean that they interact with the the gospel in a, in a different way. Um, and so I think I quite often pr- like share with people, like part of my story, right. That, um, you know, I, I fully 
bought into a worldview that um, basically said there's no room or need like for God. Um, and so I guess backtracking people slightly from maybe where they're at and helping them think how might somebody who isn't starting at a Christian worldview conceive of the world and how might you then share with somebody that's starting at that place, you know, the goodness of God and what that actually tangibly means for them. I think that's part of um, the challenge and the joy there. Hmm. And that that is such a challenge, isn't it? When you're trying to kind of think about different cultural um, approaches to life and and who is God. And it's just, you know, it's the air we breathe, isn't it? According to one uh, recent very good book. What would you go about, how would you go about helping them to actually then engage? So what would be the tools that you'd um, equip them with? How would you help them to go about to communicate the goodness of God that you mentioned? Mm, that's great. Yeah, because I think, especially if we're starting it, like you say, it's the air that we breathe. And it's like we can, it could be a challenge to take that step back. Um, and so we have to do that very intentionally and come back afresh to be like, okay, what what is the gospel? How does the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus tangibly engage with our felt reality, Christian or non-Christian? in terms of you know, suffering, pain, death, joy. Um, so part of that will be just head on engaging with, um, you know, the, the, the problem of evil, especially because I think it's one of the biggest um, uh, frustrations mm. and maybe stumbling blocks to receiving the gospel. Um, but there's some great ways in which we can talk and engage mm. with that subject. Well, let's, let's say that as a, as a good example, Kiri, because mm. I mean, that, that, as you say, big question comes up a lot one thing i've noticed in in the last couple of years i think it comes up more and more with younger folks it used to be a, a question not exclusively but asked by older people right when you're thinking more about death and and aging but i think the pandemic uh, and all the associated stuff whether it's more people being faced with their immortality whether it's people losing loved ones or it's the mental health stresses that lockdown brought so how would you go about engaging that with that that, that question someone comes to you and says you know how can I, you know how can I take faith seriously? Look at all the crap in the in 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 the world. How, how would we? How would you go about engaging that that particular issue? Mm, that's great. Yeah, I think one of the first things that um, I'd be careful not to do, in a ways, is to kind of receive um, you know a heartfelt question and then just try to apply kind of this pre-formulated answer right on top. I think if I if I do that and it looks regurgitated, then um, it seems it comes off as kind of uncaring and as if it's just kind of a memorized, this is what I'm meant to tell you, but do I actually believe it um, kind of thing. So what I'm not trying to do is um, address the problem of evil by necessarily answering the problem of evil as if you could explain away or make things necessarily okay. Um, I think it maybe be naive to assume that we could do that. Instead, I'd like to address the that heartfelt question that somebody has brought and sh- and show um, that there's a weight, while there's like a weight of pain and um, a depth of, ex- of experience there that, um, you know, holds these, holds these big questions, like these whys, these hows, um, that the gospel can come alongside that, not as an, an answering necessarily, but as a, as a solution, as an engaging 
the life, death, resurrection of Jesus engages to that depth. Like I really like some of the um, the theology, for example, of uh, Jürgen Mottmann um, after the Holocaust, where he's talking about the um, engage, like Jesus becoming a brother in suffering. So my approach, therefore, in terms of the problem of evil, isn't to just try to um, wipe it wipe it away as if um, it's a hindrance to somebody receiving the gospel or the good news, but instead to allow the gospel to engage, to say that Jesus enters into the very heart of that, that almost the reason why Christianity, I believe, uh, has you know, lasted so long while other empires and thoughts have like, risen or fall, like, is because it can engage with you know, the human heart cry um, and should um, in the same way that even Jesus engaged, you know, with the crying out kind of on the cross. Um, so, yeah, I love that the gospel is able to do that. Um, so that's why I would um, approach it like that. that. That's a really beautiful um, and evocative approach to, to that question, thinking about the wider context in which that, that question sits. What, what would you say are some particular kind of touchstones that you'd want to say to someone say who is experiencing emotional personal suffering might not be the intellectual question of of suffering but how Mm -hmm. does gospel how does jesus engage with the question of of suffering that's great yeah i think um at least uh for for myself um I really resonate with the idea that suffering and specifically trauma, for example, which can be a very acute kind of um, engagement with, with suffering. Um, in that sort of context, you have death entering into the midst of life where you feel stuck and mm. um, just oppressed kind of by death. And so you have death in the midst of life. And I really love the fact that um, the gospel is the inverse of that. It's the life of Jesus entering into the midst of death. Mm. And so trauma ruptures life, um, but the gospel ruptures death in order to bring life into the midst of death, that there is hope because he can enter in, he can change the story, he can change the narrative, he can enter into that pain and suffering and infuse it with the depth of life and freedom. Um, and so I'd normally just bring some of my personal experience into that, like losing my dad, um, from a long battle of cancer, that kind of thing. Um, not as just, uh, I don't know, just as, as a witness, I guess, to, um, you know, that, that I think each one of us has their own, your own cup to drink, your own path to, path to walk, but that you don't have to be alone in that, mm. um, that Jesus can be that brother in suffering and um, can bring a resurrection kind of life in and through the reality of that, not despite it. Mm. That's really helpful, Kiri. Thank you for that. I'm conscious that time is running rapidly out. So so one question I, I definitely wanted to get in before um, before the clock uh, hits uh, 20 minutes is obviously, I mean, your say so your own journey is fascinating from a non-Christian background through to, you know, getting thrown into the, into the lion's den of evangelism on campus and now all the cultural stuff you've done. But I love the fact you're also working with young people. And one of the things I, I'm quite passionate about is getting young people into evangelism. I, I, I see, I think a lot of young people in churches who aren't churches who aren't equipping their young people, young people that don't know how to start. So we've got a lot of people listening to this show, to this podcast who are, church leaders who are youth leaders 
What are some of the things that you've learned, both perhaps from your own experience, but also through the ministry you do in terms of getting young people fired up and equipped for evangelism? As a pastor listening to this, thinking, yeah, I, I want to try and do things a bit better with a youth group. What would be your advice on how you would start young people on this journey? Because you've got all this experience, but I love the fact that you didn't start with that. You've gone through a journey. So how do we start young people on the pathway to evangelism? That's great. I think tools. Um, we just need to be able to um, take away that scary kind of intimidating, like just go do this kind of attitude and um, give them tools. They feel equipped to be able to, to share Um, with the, acknowledgement that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be this whole unpatterning of how God impacts everything. Like um, just sowing those seeds um, can make a huge difference. So some of the tools, uh, for example, that I like to equip kind of youth groups or some of my um, kind of young adults with um, are almost like cultural bridges into these conversations to make that kind of segue easier. So for example, one of, one of my favorite, um, I just like use stuff in culture that people are already thinking about or use um so like the ed sheeran um like give me love song like the video of that is so interesting and lots of people would have like seen it like a bunch of times of a certain demographic um and there's this whole motif that's to do with like love but also like blood there's like this whole arrow situation and etc um but there's this fascinating convergence of um, yeah, love and pain and this um, kind of chorus that says, love me, love me, love me. Um, and so one thing I'll often do in a, in a group kind of setting in terms of passing out the gospel is to uh, maybe share a video or something like that, that becomes a bit that of that bridge into this wider conversation of, okay, what does this need to be loved? Like, look like, why do we have that? Um, how does the gospel um, bring a peace into that place? Um, and it's, I love giving those sorts of tools and showing people how to do that, giving a model for how they might be able to make those cultural bridges because then it's replicable, right? Um, People can share a song or um, share a little video or something uh, with friends. You know, everyone's got their device right there um, and then jump off from the launching pad rather than kind of propel them into a very alien thought process. Hmm. This is this is really good, um, Kiri. Thank you so much for giving me lots of food for thought here. It sounds like um, what you're saying is kind of use what what is already there. So rather than in introducing them into this alien space of come and hear a talk, for example, it's more of a what what are you already listening, watching, reading, and why you know why do we want this or why do we why does this sadden us? Is that is that the the kind of the some of the tools that you're talking about exactly i think it's like unveiling you know what's already happening in our in our human hearts like why do we function and work as as we do and therefore how can the gospel kind of come alongside and um you know bring us life into that place from the inside out like I think it's showing the relevancy of the gospel because I think a lot of young people just think it's completely irrelevant, right? It's just something that's been passed down to us and has no tangible relevance for our lives. And so starting at the place saying, hang on, we have a need, there is a relevance, look at the beauty of the gospel. Um, that's, that's my preferred way of approaching things. Fantastic. Well, Kira, this has been an absolutely kind of fascinating conversation. We've touched on so many things that we could go 
deeper into. Um, but thank you. So for people who want to have been intrigued by anything, the stuff that you've said, is there somewhere online they can catch up with what you're doing and follow what you're doing? Mentioned Soul Edge a couple of times. Is there is there a website that people ought to go and check out? Absolutely. That's just um, soledge.org um, or on Instagram, soledgegapier. Fantastic. And we also, of course, mentioned you're involved with Apologetics Canada and, and Andy Steiger, who uh, who heads that up, is an old friend of Solas. So we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the show notes as, uh, as well. And uh, only... Uh, requires me now to say once again thanks for being part of this and uh christian i've enjoyed the conversation and i hope all of you at home or wherever you're catching this podcast have enjoyed it too and you can catch christy and i in two weeks time with another guest hope you can join us bye for now bye